You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everyone, this is Deep Tran, your token theater friend. I'm really sorry the podcast is late this week and Jose could not make it because he and I could not find a time to record together. I'm still in California at my parents' house. Jose was in Baltimore and I also had a freelance gig this week that had me working eight straight hours a day. Uh, next week, we should be getting back to our regular schedule. But before I turn it over to the interview Jose and I did last week with the very talented, though you already know that, Josh Grobin, pause for reaction. I wanted to give you all a quick look into what's going on in my mind this week and what I'm thinking about and what I hope you can take away from the news. First of all, my heart goes out to Brianna Taylor's family and everyone who is protesting the decision that let the three police officers who murdered her while she was in her apartment it did not prosecute them, and she has not received the justice that she deserved. And And I cannot say that decision was surprising, but it was disappointing nevertheless. So I would like to remind everyone who is listening to donate to the bail project in order to help everyone who is protesting on the ground and risking their lives right now. Even if you feel like you are not doing enough, I don't really think anyone is doing enough right now, but if you are able to do what you can, then every little bit helps the cause, and I truly believe it. And I also wanted to take this moment to talk about what Josh Groban is going to talk about a little bit later, which is gratitude and trying to be grateful for some of the, I wouldn't say blessings or positive things, but some of the things that we're able to do right now during this time that we would not be able to do otherwise, such as protesting. And for me personally, I have been able to spend the most time with my family in California that I've ever 
had in years. I'm going to be on the West Coast for more than a month, actually. And I've been able to reconnect with my aunt, who I haven't seen in 20 years, because she is stuck in America for the foreseeable future, because there are no flights from America to Vietnam right now, because we are a shithole country. But she and I have been able to reconnect, and she tells me that I look like my grandmother, who I have never met on my dad's side. And I've also been able to sing Hamilton with my nieces and nephews. They are obsessed with Hamilton. They've seen it three times in the past two weeks. And I've been able to partake in that joy with them, discovering that they love musical theater. So I'm really happy that we get to have these sing-alongs together, which would not be happening if this was just a normal environment. And before I turn it over to our interview, I also wanted to let you all know that in next week's podcast, Jose and I will be talking about Romantics Anonymous, which is a new play created by British director Emma Rice of Nehigh Theatre Company, and it'll be broadcasted live from the Old Vic in London, and it'll be live broadcasted until September 26th, and it'll be available on demand until September 28th. So if you want to watch that with us, um, go online and buy your tickets. The link to that will be available in this episode description. And considering this week that the Metropolitan Opera announced that they will be canceling all live performances until fall 2021, I think it is overdue now for producers to figure out an alternative way of presenting work, or if they cannot present work, an alternative mission for their organization. This off-off-Broadway theater company that I love in New York City called Soho Rep has now pivoted to supporting artists. And they've recently named a artist who will be joining their staff full-time and will be getting a salary until next summer. If a company is not pivoting right now to alternative modes of production or to additional ways of supporting artists... It's both bad business sense and they are going to make themselves irrelevant and probably threaten the livelihood of the company as it is. No company can just shut down and hope that theater will come back within the next four months. They need to be figuring out a way to still create and support. And on a final note, I want to encourage all of you who love live performance and want it to come back as soon as possible. Now is not the time to be apolitical. We cannot afford to be our livelihoods, the state of our planet. It depends on it. So I encourage all of you to do what you can to get out the vote, to encourage people in your own lives to vote, to continue fighting so that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can get elected and that the, the Democrats can retake control of the Senate so we can actually have a federal response that resembles South Korea where they had a national response and now theaters can reopen there. 
that could be us if we had a president that actually gave a shit. So this is not the time to be apolitical or think the arts are somehow separate from my, what, everything that's happening. Obviously, it is not. Do what you can to get as many people to vote as you can, to give them the right information, to fight misinformation. And by electing the right people to positions of power in this country, we'll actually get somewhere with everything that we've been fighting for the last four years, the last half a century, which is universal health care racial justice, police reform, arts funding, all of those things that we want and we think are unattainable, they are attainable with the right people. So do not sit back. Do what you can to keep fighting and to get the people around you to vote. I know this is a theater podcast, and I did not expect to get in front of this microphone and start talking about all of these things. I guess I'm really just uh, feeling a lot right now. I'm sure that you all are too, but I hope that you all are having a okay week considering and uh, finding some joy wherever you can. And I think this next part of the show will give you a lot of joy because our guest for this episode is the multi-talented doesn't have a Tony yet, but he will get there. Josh Groban, who has a new album, Harmony, coming out in November. And he's doing three concerts in quarantine. And one of them on October 3rd will be a Broadway themed concert. So all of you who loved hearing him or seeing him in the Broadway musical, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, rejoice. And for uh, those of you who are new to this podcast and are here because of Josh Groban, uh, welcome. I hope you like it and I hope that you come back. Josh talked to me and Jose about how he started these quarantine concerts in his bathroom and how he's learned to make them better and how he's now taking requests from audiences live during his concerts. So let's go to that interview. Josh Groban, thank you so much for joining us. I have a very important question to ask. I was looking at my great comment book before talking to you and I was a good like, book. it is really, really fantastic. And I was like, hold on. Is this you pre pandemic? <laughs> and is this you after the pandemic? Although you look fabulous. So. I think I know which picture. Yep. That does it. Yeah. That is, could not be more accurate, Jose. Um, yes. Yes. But I will say though, that in the second picture, even though I do have a half empty bottle of wine, some great, great reading going on. I got to say, there's some amazing reading and writing going on. Yeah, it's been a time, I think, for, for all of us. But I think the thing for all of us in the artistic community is that we're, in some ways, I've never been more connected with my creative friends and family because, you know, we're all just checking in on each other constantly and finding ways to send each other what we're working on and invite each other to each other's Zooms, whether they're creative or friendly or just a drink on a Friday night. I, I do hope that that part, when we return back to some semblance of normal in the future, is the appreciation of 
what we had, who we have around us, and kind of taking things back to the idea of just like, we're just going to be there for each other and support each other. Um, that can get lost sometimes when you're, when you just got nothing but a tr fast treadmill of things you're trying to accomplish and, and places to be and people to see it's, um, you know, I think that that's one silver lining amongst a, a bog of awfulness. So, so, uh, yes, those pictures are accurate and you just made me miss my comet family and not miss the, uh, having an accordion and, and a fur coat on every night. I got a little warm, but, uh, everything else. Well, at least you didn't have to be the ones climbing those stairs because I've talked to some cast members and they're still <laughs> complaining about their knees. <laughs> Truly they are. I mean, we had such a treacherous jungle gym of a set that was really fun. I mean, like, you know, our first tech rehearsals were like, we get to play on this every night. But that honeymoon was was over after like performance 72 or something, you know, when you have clarinetists you know, high kicking through the balconies. Yeah, our PT was put to hard work during that show. We had a lot of, a lot of stuff. My character, thankfully, was not supposed to move well, so uh, there wasn't wasn't a lot of high kicking I had to do. There was one drunken high kick where I actually fell into the pit one night because I was supposed to be belligerent. The audience just kind of bought it. Thought, wow, he's method. When I did stage door that night, everybody was just like, "How do you do that every night? That was amazing." I'm like, "Thank you, thank you. I know, I know." Like, I'm a real actor. Oh, man. Look, Ben Platt is crying his eyes out next door, but I am falling on the drum set. I am bruised to hell right now. Give me the Tony. <laughs> I know. Better luck next time, right? <laughs> well, I only fell once. If I fell more, you know, I've learned my lesson. Oh, so you have I a new album coming out, and you're going to be doing a series of concerts, and your first concert is going to be Broadway songs. And I wonder if, you know, going back to that, Book with Pierre, what is it like to put together a set list of your favorite Broadway tunes? Because there's like a, bi a billion, like a gazillion. Uh, it's it's hard because there are just so many from so many eras of musical theater, so many eras of your own life where you were inspired by by musical theater. When I think about you know being a child in the '80s and kind of the the explosion of the the grand you know, just format changing musicals of that time period to now when you have so many forward thinking and genre breaking plays and musicals, now some of them now virtual. I mean, like we're in a whole new territory of expression in the theater, um, inclusiveness, everything has shifted so much. How do you choose all the songs? How do you choose all the eras? And so that's, that's the thing that kind of can be the most, um, you know, debilitating when thinking about songs, you can just be stuck because there's just too many to choose from. But um, I do have a little bit of a template with it, with the Broadway album stages that I did because the, I went through a lot of that hard part doing that album. I chose when I did that album to just focus on the songs that I grew up with. So, so focus on the stuff that, you know, um, that really introduced me to the world of theater when I was a, a student. Um, and so to do a live stream like this, there's songs from that. And then we open up the comments and we say what do you want to hear you know to the broadway fans to the incredible thing about doing a show like great comet was that it was able to introduce my fans who only knew me from the music i've made in the past to this extraordinary world and especially to a show that was so interesting and creatively good for broadway with dave malloy's score and this incredible cast and so i got a lot of my fans to now follow me into the broadway universe and and i made fans that only then knew me from doing the Broadway show that hadn't previously listened to my other stuff. So a show like this in some ways is the most important to me because it gives me a chance to honor that world that's meant so much to me my whole life 
and do it virtually, which means that people from all over the world can listen to it and hopefully be, you know, invigorated by it if they're a fan of my stuff and will be and will learn about these songs, or if they're a fan of that world and they get to listen to it from Argentina, wherever France, or we had 63 countries that tuned in on the last one. So it's, it's an exciting time to do a show like this when we all miss Broadway so very much. Right. And I feel like with the live stream, you're like, you're mimicking the experience of seeing someone live and, you know, like it can't be replicated again. And, and yep. so like, since you've been doing this throughout the pandemic, have you like learned what's the key to performing via Zoom? Especially music, because well, I feel like music has been like a tougher nut to crack. De- yeah, definitely. Um, so to the first point, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it live, live, because I think a lot of people are, you know, they're pre-taping and they're pre-taping in extraordinary locations, you know, but it's still the same as if you were to go buy a DVD of a concert from wherever. And we really wanted this to have as much of the communal aspect of being in person as possible. So when we fade up, that's happening, you know, and I'm getting a feed in real time on my iPad of people commenting and tuning in and we might change a song because somebody says it online. <laughs> there might be cracked notes. There might be better notes than I've ever sung in my life. The amazing thing that comes from the live performance, um, we wanted to do that with this. We wanted this to be um, a way for people around the world, which is why we're doing them earlier in the day, Pacific time, so people from around the world can tune in, to, to come together. And it is weird not having applause at the end of the songs. But to read the comments after the fact and to see so many people have a moment of escape and to be able to connect in that way just meant everything to me. And I was able to perform for more people than I would ever perform for in a single concert. So, um, but the sound issue is a big one because I started doing these kind of in my bedroom and I was just kind of singing into my laptop. And then I started, as a joke, I went into the shower and started singing fully clothed and the acoustics were incredible. And so people were like, sing more songs in the shower. And so I wound up doing these shower songs. And but it's just like, it just kind of said to myself, like, oh my God, we are really DIY right now. And at some point we have to transition into how do we exist in this new normal where I get to hire my band and crew and, um, and I get to really kind of give myself and give the fans the quality that they have come to expect because this is going to be a minute. And so the, the place that we're recording this and, and uh, well, it's not recorded, it's live, but the place that we're going to be filming it live, got top of the line, state of the art, sound equipment, visual equipment, uh, streaming equipment. So we tested this in June and it was just went off without a hitch. Got a huge wooden cutting board that I'm knocking on right now. That was important to us that if we're going to start doing these, that when people decide to get a a virtual ticket to this, that they're going to get something very, very high quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, I wish people would applaud when I'm singing in the shower, but my neighbors are usually like, shut up. Uh, you know, <laughs> as long as you sound great to you, that's the thing about the shower is that as long as you are in just in it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter if anybody's listening. I'm going to use that, you know, I'm going to show this to my mom and everything. I'll be like, well, you know, you can't <laughs> shut me up anymore, mom. Um, She's going to say, I knew it. Uh, I have a serious question, so I'm going to stop laughing. Um, you know, we're recording this a few days after 9 11. And I think about you, okay, that sounds strange. I think about your song, You Raised Me Up, around that time, because it was a time, you know, I hadn't moved to New York yet, and I was living outside the States. And I remember your song becoming an anthem for what was happening and seeing people literally, you know, the soul of the country and also the soul of the world in many ways rise up again. And I wonder for you, you know, I cannot believe that it's been so long since that. And I wonder... 
almost two decades after that. You haven't aged a bit, uh, and neither <laughs> has your song. In fact, <laughs> it's appropriate for what we're going through right now all over the world. It's one of the anthems of humanity, I would say, of the of, you know the the time that we've been alive. And I wonder what's it like for you to you record that song so long ago, and it's yeah. still so freaking important and so iconic. Yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, it means a lot to me. So often we record, you know, I'm in a little studio and you, you put songs out there and you hope that people will connect. Um, and stories like yours remind me why songs like that, why making music, why continuing to sing, uh, especially songs of hope, I think are so important because they are timeless. And the amazing thing about a song like that is that you know, I was so young when I, when I recorded it. And I feel this way about a lot of the songs I recorded at that age is that I enjoy actually singing them more now than I did then because I've lived since then. Like I, I was kind of like thinking to myself, whether it's that song or another song, uh, there were a lot of songs back then um, where like I got the broad stroke of why it was important, but there's only so much you can, you can tap into if you haven't like walked it yet and been through it and, and experienced it. So to go back and sing songs like that today um, where I've witnessed the country changing in so many ways, where I've been through so many experiences where we've had to be there for each other in ways we had never expected uh, where togetherness and defeating, you know, otherism and fear and anxiety more than ever is so important. It feels so wonderful to have a song that can be so universal like that and to, to, uplift people. I think songs of hope, songs of thanks, songs of gratitude, um, they never die. There's always, you know, in good times and bad, going to be great reasons to have those songs in our lives and to have those songs as the soundtrack to help us get through the hard moments and to celebrate the good moments. And so as somebody who has a couple of songs like that in my catalog, um, it never gets old for me. It never gets old for me to hear a story like that. It never gets old for me to go out and sing it and see all the iPhones in the air, you know, it's, it's a great feeling. And, um, and so to that point on a broader scale, having music just in general right now uh, has been so mentally life-saving for me. It's been such an amazing thing to be able to create. I feel very fortunate to be able to create, to be able to be a fan and listen and to be able to have fans to listen to what I do. I'm, I'm very, very grateful. So thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, you, you raised me up as like a very optimistic song, but actually um, so so like when Adam Schlesinger died like earlier this year from COVID-19 and you know he was such an amazing songwriter and he was incredible and I loved and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend like I rewatch it pretty regularly and Brilliant. as soon as I heard the news that he had passed he I I put on the end of the movie the song that you sang at the yeah. end of one of the really dark episodes of it because for me it's one part morose, but one part actually like quite, um, quite like funny. Like, and in the way it's funny, it it's an oddly uplifting experience. And so, like, how have you been? Have you been going through like your old catalog to kind of remind yourself of of what gave you hope before this? First of all, Adam was was just such a brilliant, brilliant songwriter, and and he was so exceptional on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Um, as a writer, because he was able to do that thing that is that is deceptively one of the hardest things to possibly do, which is to write something with humorous overtones 
that that underneath the surface are actually full of so many incredible truths and are actually very, very poignant. And so to be able to make somebody laugh and really listen at the same time is uh, was one of his greatest gifts. And he's going to be so, so missed. And I was so proud to have sung a song of his with uh, Rachel Bloom. And yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been going back. I mean, part of the fun of these live streams and getting requests from people is that you go back and you start kind of rehearsing and listening to and singing songs that you hadn't really thought of. I'm not my own biggest fan. Like that's for other people. You know, once I've released something into the world, I, you know, it's for them. And so when you get asked to do songs that are kind of deeper in your catalog, stuff you haven't listened to or assumed you were going to do anytime soon again, and you get a note from somebody saying, from somebody saying this song's meant a lot to me, or this song, the, the message of the song has changed for me because of X, Y, and Z. Um, that's the kind of back and forth that, that is making these so fun because, you know, when you go out and you do a, a mega tour, if you've got your, your tour and your trucks and your buses, and you're just, you're basically a traveling circus, um, you can make some changes every night, but, but every one of those changes has a light cue and a sound cue and 50 people that need to know what you're going to do. And so um, to do these where we're much lighter on our feet and we can switch it up and we can take requests and we can decide, you know what, I'm going to tell the story and this story is leading me to a song I never thought I'd do and we're just going to do it. That's really fun for me. And so I think for me going back into the, into the catalog, sure, I'll listen to that stuff and I'll, and I'll find new meanings and all kinds of things. But as somebody who mostly gets the most meaning from my songs by performing them for people, um, that's where it's been the most fun for me is to get those requests. Yeah. Okay. I'll request that at the movie next time. <laughs> yeah. It's a great one. I might, I might have to do it. I might have to do it on, uh, on Broadway, on Broadway night. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, because it's about like how life is like, it's seen, it's meaningless. Some, it can seem meaningless sometimes. And I feel like that's like the mood of this. Life movie. doesn't make narrative sense. Well, I was going to, I'm going to be like the weird one here and be like, I have never felt more hopeful for so many of the reasons that you're actually mentioning right now. You know, like people all over the world get to see your work. You know, people who weren't able to see you on Broadway, for instance, get to see you sing Broadway songs. Can you talk about the other side of that, about the things that are actually giving you hope right now? The things that are, you know, the theater that you've seen maybe on Zoom or if you're an Animal Crossing person like me, the Animal Crossing <laughs> Theater. Yes. Right? We'll visit each other's islands soon. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's, you know, what's making you excited about, you know, things that are from this new world, so to speak, that you wish we could carry into the old world when we go back to it at some point? Absolutely. I think that one of the things that, and I, I kind of touched upon it earlier, but, but the, the fact I wrote a song that I, I released, but, but I'm going to be putting it on the new album called your face. And It was simply inspired by the fact that all of the stuff that we rely on, all the stuff that we get to say we're doing, that we have, that we're looking forward to, we, we're, we've, been, we've been taken down to just who we are, how we connect as human beings face-to-face through a very, very difficult time, which can show the true character of a lot of people. And the thing that's given me that hope is that the true character of the vast majority of the people that I've come in contact with when I'm not on Twitter, because Twitter is just a, yeah. Um, but that I know when I walk around New York, when I'm in the artistic community um, is good. We want to help each other. We want to learn how we can best help each other. We want to grow. There's always going to be um, 
ways in which we need to shine a light on and and be passionately um, angry about the things that aren't right and the people that don't have good intentions. But where I find hope is in the humanity that I've seen where people do want to make change for good. People do want to find out how to grow from this. And just simply the thing that I'd like to have stay the same from all this is are remembering how important those simple things are. I have never been more grateful for my family, the people that I have in my life, um, my friends, my girlfriend, any pet that I meet on the street. I don't care if it's mine or not. Like the fact that now when I have a conversation, it's not 30 seconds. Like I will keep that person for an hour because I want to, I want to know more. There's so much that is, is bringing us back to, I think why we're here to begin with from this um, and that's not discounting the extraordinary tragedy that this has been or the the deep sadness and trauma that this has been for everybody. But through the trauma and through the tragedies, um, if we can come out of this with more appreciation and gratitude for those simple things, why we create, why we love, why we make friends, why we take a walk in the park and continue with that simple gratitude, then then I'd be I'd consider that a, a, a silver lining in all this. That's what I hope to take from all of this, because I, I think as we all are guilty of doing it, we get lost in our own egos. We get lost in our own looking over the hedge. What am I doing? What am I not doing? Who's doing that? Whatever. We all are guilty of scrolling through Instagram and thinking about stuff that is not important. And, um, and it's a good time to take stock in what's important. And, um, and so I'll hold on to that. I'll hold on to that hopefully because we all need reminding, but music helps us with that too. I've been doing a lot of, thinking about that question too. I mean, I may not have the most eloquent answer to that question because I think a lot of that, that internal conversation and questions about like, how do you move forward? How do you continue? How do you grow? A lot of it is, is internal. Like a lot of it is just, I think a lot of us are kind of swimming in our own thoughts about how we, how we handle this in ways that sometimes you can't neatly express verbally um, because there is a lot of time to think there is a lot of time for that, but it's also given me a greater connection to the idea of faith. It's given me a greater idea, idea of uh, connection of being able to not control and being okay with that. And it, that doesn't mean it has to necessarily be within the confines of any specific religion, just the idea that it's okay to let go. And I think if it's a spiritual thing, if it's a religious thing, that being comfortable with the hope of faith is something that in our cynical world, we, we don't, a lot of people, especially my generation, sometimes kind of look with a side eye. And, um, and so that's been something that's been, and I've, I've, I've expressed it in some of the newer music that I've been singing lately, but, um, has been something that I've been, I've been having, having an amazing time speaking with, um, people of faith in every religion, uh, right now, talking to them about what brought them, talking to them about what it means to them to have that in times like this, um, as somebody who, um, was raised with different faiths, um, and as somebody who's always considered myself, you know, a theist, but somewhat agnostic about what it's all about and being okay with wondering what it's all about. Um, the idea that we can let go, the idea that we can have gratitude and have faith without necessarily having to have it defined has been um, very, very comforting to me in these times and something that I also hope to continue with me throughout. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I actually call this the time of surrender and surrender is usually a word that we associate with giving up. I think about, I'm in Brooklyn, trapped in my apartment since March. And 
around the time that usually I would be going to a show or like on a subway to go into, you know, to the city for a show. Now I'm home and now I get to see those beautiful sunsets every single day. It makes me feel like very Madonna, like a prayer. I'm down on my knees. I'm like, how can you not surrender to such beauty that otherwise yep. I wouldn't be able to appreciate? So thank you for sharing that. Totally. It's yeah. beautiful. Thanks. Thank you guys. Great chatting with you. Thank you all for listening to our interview with Josh Groban. Uh, Jose will be back next week. And this is a time of the episode where one of us will tell you about our Patreon and why you should become a patron. Token Theater Friends is a labor of love for me and Jose. We love theater so much that we are doing a theater podcast during a pandemic when there's no live theater. But not only do we have a podcast, we also put the videos of every episode up on YouTube, so you can watch all that. And we also have a website, tokentheaterfriends.com, where we publish reviews and interviews and features and featuring cool people who are not despairing during this time. They are doing something and they are giving us hope and we are grateful for that and we want to feature that. And so if you love what we do, I hope you consider becoming a Patreon supporter uh, for as little as a dollar a month. You'll help support the Token Theater Friends and our work. Uh, we're 100% reader funded. And so you supporting us means that we should keep doing this project, even though there's no live theater. But as long as you all enjoy it, we'll keep doing it. And this week, our Patreon shout out is to our patron, Mike Sablone, who is doing an online project called Objectivity at the Warehouse Theater in Greenville, South Carolina, or as he said, quote, or really everywhere. It's a Zoom seminar run by a famous decluttering expert that doesn't go as planned. It's part seminar, part interactive show, and part musical. Mike said that they open September 30th and they run for three weeks. He also said that it's been thrilling to just work on something new and theatrical after six months of inactivity. We are thrilled for you, Mike. Congratulations on the show, and we are so excited for you. If Marie Condoing Your Life is something you want to do, then be sure to check out Objectivity. The link to it and all of the things that we talk about on this podcast will be available on tokentheaterfriends.com. Uh, have a good week, everyone. Do what you can, and I hope you find some joy in your life this week. Thank you. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.